Welcome to Between Two Lips, a podcast dedicated to all things pelvic health for women. I'm your host, Kim Vopney, the Vagina Coach, and I am excited to share with you information from leading pelvic health professionals from around the world, stories from women at all life stages who have faced struggles and successes, and of course, I share a little about my own pelvic health journey as well. There is too much silent suffering associated with the female pelvis, and I am on a mission to change that. It's time we talk openly about a part of the body that deserves a whole lot more attention than it gets. Join me each week for casual and candid conversations that will both inform and inspire you to optimize your pelvic health for life. Welcome to another episode of Between Two Lips. I'm your host, Kim Vopney, the Vagina Coach. And in this week's episode, I am joined by Dr. Sinead Defour, who I've known for many years way back in the days from when I had my business called Bellies Inc. Sinead was an integral part of helping us launch that course and and teach it to multiple people. So she was an assistant to a lot of the courses that we were teaching. And I've been forever grateful for her research mind and for her thoughts, for her her perception. It, it aligns very much with what I, I believe and know and, and preach. And today we had a conversation about the M-Cella chair, also known sometimes as the Kegel throne. I get asked about this all the time, and I was happy that sort of my my response back to people definitely aligns with what Dr. DeFour recommends or suggests. But it was neat to hear her perspectives, having been a consultant with the company who manufactures the product, and also the populations that she refers it to. So we talk about what the m chair is, how it works, what it feels like, what the standard sort of dosing is. And where she feels that it can fit into a pelvic health lifestyle, really, or protocol. So I will let you jump into the episode and have a listen for yourself. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Dr. Dufour, Sinead, nice to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm I'm excited about today's topic. We're we're going to be talking about the M Cella chair, which I get asked about all the time. And I know that you have done some work in the space of understanding this technology. And I feel like you're always my go-to with regards to research. So before we jump into that topic, I would love for you to just give a quick introduction in terms of how you became a pelvic floor physical therapist and what led you down the path of research as well. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Kim, for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. But yeah, so I'm an academic clinician. My name's Sinead Dufour. I share my time between really McMaster University teaching and doing research, and then my clinical practice, which is the world of my baby. And I mentor a lot of physios. I run my own pelvic health practice out of that perinatal care center. But actually, my PhD and postdoctoral fellowship research really didn't have anything to do with pelvic health. I've been a PT for about two decades now, and I was very much in the world of orthopedics and primary health care. But then getting pregnant myself with twins and navigating kind of postpartum care and sort of some major gaps in that care, that's what led me to what I'm doing today. So sort of for the last decade, my research, teaching, clinical practice, you know, has all focused on this area. And I am often kind of sort of consulted as an expert in these areas. Amazing. Okay, so... Let's jump into the M Cella chair. So I've I've seen this. It's talked about a lot on social media all of a sudden. So it was sort of an, a novel thing for a while, and there was you know very few of them. But it seems like there's clinics popping up all over the place with an M Cella chair, and I get asked about it all the time. It's also called the Kegel throne. Some people refer to it as. So can you tell us what is the M Cella chair? Yes. So it's essentially an electrotherapeutic modality. 
right? So essentially it's, it's a chair. So it's set up like a chair, but really it's a medium to put energy into the body, right? So in this case, it's high intensity electromagnetic stimulation that kind of there's some coils that are within the chair and that's what transduces this energy up into the body. So in this case, the individual is sitting with their perineum situated on the chair and this energy is transferred through the chair up into the perineum to have the intended rehabilitative effect. So in ways it's not different than other therapeutic, you know, modalities that we've used, electrotherapeutic modalities, you know, historically in physiotherapy, even in the world of orthopedics, I mean, we've used this type of therapy often. And sometimes it's in forms of using sort of electrodes that are sticky that paste right onto the muscular tissue. In the case of pelvic health, the more traditional forms of electro of electric stimulation actually is delivered through probes that are inserted intravaginally or interrectally. So in ways, this is just, you know, a cousin of that type of care. Okay. And that was a question I had was like, how similar or different is it compared to the more traditional e-stim electrical stimulation? And you've just clarified that. And, and for the one big difference is that this is fully clothed. So you sit on the chair, you don't, you're not disrobed in any way. You have all your clothing on, correct? That's right. So I would say there's probably two main differences. One is what you just said. You're sitting fully clothed on the chair. The other is that it is a high intensity, high frequency form of energy, whereas a lot of the more standard probes only are able pr to produce a lower frequency, lower intensity. So, you know, when you look across the trials, which is something I've done in a research group who've actually just submitted this systematic scoping review for publication, you see that in the trials that use the more traditional lower frequency EMS, on average, the time of intervention for this type of energy to have the intended effect is about 700 minutes. Whereas when you look at the higher intensity, high frequency types of electrical stimulation and the MCELA, which is referred to as high FEM technology, fits within that umbrella, it's about 180 minutes of intervention. So you can appreciate you're getting a much stronger intervention. So you can kind of get the same effect over a dramatically less amount of time. Right. Okay. And who would... I mean, there's a lot of people in my world in con who have incontinence and who have prolapse. I would say those are the two main categories of people who are drawn to the marketing of of anything to do with vaginal rejuvenation, pelvic health, exercise, anything. And so they're looking for help. And is is there another population or who else would benefit from this? Or is it lim is it restricted or most beneficial for that incontinence and prolapse group? Yeah, so great question. So, you know, looking across the studies, I mean, in our scoping review, and we included 40 studies, you know, we have trials that look at this type of stimulation, primarily for sort of developing different parameters of fitness capacity in the pelvic floor. But also there's studies that highlight and almost sort of found some of these findings, honestly, by accident, because most of the target populations for this type of care is sort of for primarily for incontinence, but there's also some for prolapse and there's some for fecal incontinence too. 
But many of the studies used outcome measures that also tracked symptoms around sexual pain or overactive bladder urgency frequency. And actually, we see improvements on those outcomes as well. So I would really be saying that for anyone, like always in my care, I'm very much focusing my care on the level 1A evidence strategies, right? Which for the most part is individualized pelvic floor muscle training, lifestyle interventions, bladder retraining. And then in the case of incontinence with exercise, the use of intervaginal continent supports like Uresta. Those are all our level 1A strategies from our most recent clinical practice guidelines. So that is always where I start with people. But in fairness, you know, we also know that those strategies just don't work for everyone for a whole variety of reasons. Even if we look at individualized pelvic floor muscle training and we see that it's eight times more effective than control, for urinary incontinence, right? That's what our most recent Cochrane reviews say. We also know from Dr. Linda McLean's research that still that strategy only actually really helps about 50% of people. And people who have more severe incontinence are less likely to be really cured by just that strategy alone. So it tells us we really need to be well aware and educated of the whole menu of options available because probably different things are going to work for different people. And so anyone who I'm working with who is having any of those issues that have, you know, a potential indication for this. So as you said, you know, pelvic floor, any type of issue with pelvic floor fitness capacity, right? issues maybe with urgency or frequency, issues with sexual pain, and they have not really met their goals with the level 1A strategies, that's when I start to introduce them to their options in level 2 strategies, level 3 strategies, etc. And so we know that kind of standard EMS, you know, has been long understood to sort of be level 2 be evidence. The scoping review that we just did shows, as I said, kind of higher intensity, higher frequency forms of EMS actually seem to be better because you can get a better effect in a shorter amount of time and have more acceptability because people can kind of keep their clothes on, right? So I will introduce right. that as one of many options as like a level two care option. So again, okay. people who just aren't meeting their goals, particularly from my perspective, if they're just not able to reestablish that fitness capacity of their pelvic floor, they just seem to kind of need help rebooting their system. Elect you know, electrical therapy seems to be quite helpful. And, you know, a recent 2023 review just on electrical therapy across the board kind of shows that we always thought the, the mechanism was like hypertrophy and strengthening. But more data is kind of showing the mechanism actually might be around kind of improving an inflammatory sort of profile. So we don't really fully understand the exact mechanisms behind electrical therapy. We just don't. And so it's probably for reasons different than what we actually think, why it's helping. But I certainly will make sure people are well aware of it as an option and where it stands in terms of the level of evidence if they are not reaching their goals with the level 1A strategies. Got it. That makes sense. I've always sort of, I've said it's an answer similar to yours that, you know, look at what the the evidence is for first line therapy. And if those mm-hmm. aren't working, then this is something to consider. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest the Mcella chair as 
as somebody's first line of defense per se. So, okay, so I'm 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 with you so far, which is good. Yeah. But what what is it what does it feel like if when you're sitting on that chair, what what would somebody feel? What sort of sensations would there be? Yeah, so this is a great question. And and just before I answer the question, I very briefly will say one of my big issues to be honest with you about the Mcella chair is not what it actually does. It's actually with how it's marketed. And even unfortunately, you know, the manufacturer of this product, which in my opinion actually holds really wonderful rehabilitation capacity, it's just that how it's sold and how it's marketed, in my opinion, is for one, not correct. And for two, almost comes across as predatory. So I think that's honestly why even a lot of my own colleagues in in pelvic health physiotherapy really have their backup about it. But what it feels like is it really feels like not unlike, honestly, even what like an interferential current machine might feel like, which a lot of people have used in, in physiotherapy, or even like a TENS unit, if you can imagine like a TENS unit on and kind of that electrical type of stimulation, but it kind of moves on a varied pattern. So, you know, while you're sitting there and the protocols that have been studied are 28 minutes, you'll kind of feel this kind of variation of different types of tapping and vibration and stimulation kind of going through your body, which, and again, kind of highlights to you that the way it's sold, like this does 11,000 Kegels in 28 minutes. Well, a Kegel by correct definition, you know, Dr. Arnold Kegel really made the assumption that, you know, doing this type of exercise was all about strength and creating stiffness, and that's why it worked. And we understand now that that actually isn't quite right. And so a Kegel, from his perspective, was ramping up these muscles to their absolute max and holding them, right? And so that's what a Kegel is. And really, when you're sitting on this chair, that isn't what it's doing. It's it's putting through energy in a varied, almost taking you through a really varied workout, right? So, you know, it isn't really doing, you know, what it's kind of claiming to do. And it isn't necessarily just in, in, like making things stiffer and stiffer and stiffer the way repeated Kegels might do. So yeah, it really feels similar, honestly, to other forms of electrical modalities that people might have experienced. Just the difference is really you're sitting fully clothed and it goes through kind of more of a variation than what standard models would do, I would say. Got it. I'd like to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Feel Amazing Vulva and Vaginal Moisturizer. Studies show that moisturizing with hyaluronic acid is an effective treatment for vaginal dryness. Vaginal dryness is most commonly associated with menopause. When we reach menopause, estrogen goes for a steep decline and so does hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is a naturally occurring molecule that our body makes on its own, keeping our eyes, mouth, skin, joints, and vaginas naturally lubricated. But our body's hyaluronic acid starts to decline in our 30s and 40s and then more significantly post-menopause. There are other reasons that can lead to vulva and vaginal dryness, including the birth control pill, postpartum, overuse of pads and panty liners, certain cancer treatments, and some medications and health conditions. The Feel Amazing Vulva and Vaginal Moisturizer is made from hyaluronic acid and vitamin E to restore natural moisture back into the skin cells of the vulva and vaginal wall. It was researched and developed by BC-based pharmacists in collaboration with vagina owners age 35 and up, 
and my good friend Shirley Weir over at Menopause Chicks. Feel Amazing can be purchased online without a prescription. This means you can take control of your vaginal health and apply the moisturizer as often as your own unique needs require without having to consult a doctor first. I use Feel Amazing, have been using it for several years and absolutely love it. I put it on right after my morning shower and it truly does feel amazing. No mess, no goo, just tissue support and health that I absolutely love. I've got a link in the show notes for you so you can get started taking care of your vulva vaginal health by moisturizing your vagina today. You've talked about 28 minutes being what you've seen in some of the research or that's what the general protocols are. And then I think you said 120 minutes total. Was that the, was that the amount of time? And, and so how many, how many treatments and how far apart would people need these? is the first part of the question for there to be a potential resolution of symptoms. And then how often would it need to be repeated? Right. So most of the trials have used a protocol of six sessions that are spread across three weeks. So two 28-minute sessions with this energy over three weeks. So six sessions. There's a couple trials that actually have looked at 10 sessions but really, when you look at the outcomes, the outcomes really are no better with 10 sessions versus six. So, you know, it stands to reason why it makes sense that therefore, you know, the recommendation at this point in time with the data we have is six. And, you know, as far as like, well, how long does it last? I mean, because I kind of consider this one of many rehabilitation tools how long it lasts is all dependent on, you know, what the beholder is actually doing, right? So if I, for example, am working with someone and I'm saying, hey, so like these are the bladder behaviors you need to do. These are the bowel behaviors you do. This is like your sleeping program that would optimize your biology. And they were good with that for a few months, but then they kind of derailed from that and they were putting totally just different inputs into their system. Well, I would expect that then their health state would change and probably their symptoms would come back, right? So with something like this, again, if someone is kind of using it really just to help sort of reboot their system and establish maybe a more optimal fitness capacity in their pelvic floor, which is generally how I suggest it's used, my hope always is that people don't ever need it again. That if people have kind of rebooted their system, they've kind of got things on track, they've become more motivated, that they can actually kind of overcome some of the issues they've been having. And alongside, they're doing all the lifestyle things and, you know, all the other things that are actually contributing to their symptoms and they're doing all that. And then they're starting to engage more in lower extremity exercise more generally. Well, I mean, the pelvic floor is a postural muscle. So, you know, once it's rebooted and automated, Really, as long as we're doing lower extremity exercise and we're not sitting and we're getting that kind of force of gravity that comes with standing and walking on a regular basis, we should be able to maintain that, right? We should, we should be good. But also, I mean, life happens, right? You might end up with a bout of bronchitis and that you've been coughing for two weeks and you've kind of gone backwards and people might find, okay, I feel like I need a reboot. You know, my bias is that if someone sort of needs a reboot, I would still rather them have a reboot with sort of a PT or some knowledge about this area and then maybe also have a modality like Emcella as an adjunct, right? 
So yeah. your your effects on treatment, whether it's Mcella or you doing your own exercise program or following, you know, your own walking program. I mean, your effects are only as good as what you're putting in. And I see all modalities, you know, as really hopefully trying to give people like a boost at the beginning. But in my mind, like, I don't love those types of strategies to be kind of used as a band-aid and over and over and over again. I'd really rather people kind of doing the level 1A behavioral things that they're really getting to the root of creating health. That's always my perspective. Yeah, yeah. And I agree 100%. I also talk a lot about this being suitable or, or, or a really amazing option for people that may have mobility challenges, that may have potentially spinal cord injuries or something that is prohibiting them from being able to connect with their pelvic floor, do that lower extremity work. Has there been any, like, would you agree, I guess, but then has there been any research using populations that may have limitations? So I would agree conceptually. I would agree with that because we do have lots of data that more traditional pelvic floor muscle training is actually appropriate for those populations. You know, any of those neural populations other than like a complete spinal cord injury, but incomplete MS, any of those other ones we see like good effect of, you know, our more standard pelvic floor muscle training. So in theory, if this is a tool to help sort of stimulate fitness capacity, I would agree with you. Given that I consult with a company called Eurospot that uses this technology in conjunction with really amazing physiotherapy care, you know, I know anecdotally that, you know, people who would fall in that basket have, have gotten improvement from combined physiotherapy and the HIFEM technology. But as far as the research goes, like even as I'm thinking of our scoping review, not a single study, not even the ones in our study that was the more traditional form of EMS actually, you know, was looking at those populations. And what about protocols specific to the the challenge the person has? So is there a different protocol for stress urinary incontinence? Is there a different protocol for prolapse? Is there a different for overactive bladder or urgency and frequency? Is Or is it just all standard that 28 minutes at the, the proposed frequency twice a week for three weeks? So there are two different established protocols for this tool. One is called protocol one, one is called protocol two. In the scoping review that we did, the only populations that ever looked at protocol two were for men with erectile dysfunction. And there's very good data of efficacy for this tool for that. For, you know, the myriad of issues among women that we've talked about, all of what's been studied so far is protocol one. Other than, you know, you have the six sessions for the 28 minutes, there is a dial in terms of sort of intensity And so most of the studies were actually using an intensity of at least 80% of like the max capacity of these machines to sort of get the desired result. So my advice is always, you know, make sure like as you're sitting there, you know, it's not feeling so, so sensitive that the individual who's turned it on for you is saying, oh, well, like you're only at 40% because we don't have good data that six sessions at 40% are helpful, right? And really, we want to make sure you're getting at least over 80%. And this is why, like, you know, in the collaboration between, like, the physiotherapists that work with Eurospot, 
The physiotherapists are screening everyone for central sensitization. They're looking at all of these things because they don't want someone who's really highly ramped up and sensitized sitting on this. They can't really tolerate it. Then they're not really going to get the proper treatment effect, right? So it's again why I really see this tool to be used integrated as a modality. I don't really see it as a great tool to be situated in every cosmetic medical clinic on the corner with the message of, oh, just sit down and this will fix all your problems. Like I, I really have no patience for that type of an approach because, you know, to your point, what you just said is a lot of people are ramped up and sensitized and, you know, they are going to be kind of sitting on there and then they probably won't be able to tolerate the proper treatment effect and they don't know the research and the person administering that to them you know, has no training. And so it can be a really powerful rehabilitative tool when it is used properly. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. A couple more questions before uh, we leave. But one thing that comes to mind also is the the people who have been told they have a hypertonic or overactive or my pelvic floor is too tight and therefore I can't do Kegels or, or standard pelvic floor exercise. I need to work on relaxation. If we look at this, when you're talking about there's a variety of sort of sensations and pulses or, or frequencies that may happen over that period of time, one of which I would assume would be a relaxation component. So is there a place for the overactive population, the hypertone population with the Mcella as well? Yes, absolutely. And this comes back to my whole point around when I first started learning about this chair, and this was actually in 2019 at the IUGA conference, there was a number of the big trials were presenting their interim results. And what really caught my attention, and actually the attention of the urogynecologist I work very closely with here in Oakville named Dr. Carolyn Best, was even though the, the protocol was targeting incontinence, actually you could see in the outcome measures, people with painful intercourse and overactive bladder all improved on those outcomes. And so really as a physio, I was thinking, but we would never prescribe repeated Kegels for people with dyspareunia. We would never prescribe repeated Kegels for someone with overactive bladder. So it really got me thinking around, so probably it's not doing these Kegels. And anytime I've talked to the engineering team from BTL, they've never been able to explain to me where they've kind of gotten that. I really think they are, you know, counting every different little blip of energy that kind of pulses through. They're just counting that as a Kegel and then they're using that as their marketing. So we Got absolutely it. do see that, yes, people with those symptoms, or even if I was actually to physically assess someone and someone that is kind of more in that slightly protective state could benefit. But I'm always making sure those people also were doing all the other things, you know, really from a central factor approach yeah. or a peripheral factor, factor approach to address that tissue. So yes, absolutely. I, I really see the more important thing to be thinking about isn't sort of, oh, am I high tone or low tone? Because we kind of understand now that really trying to think of it that way doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. I like to kind of get a sense of are these people really centrally yeah. upregulated or centrally sensitized? So I'm advising everyone to be screened with the CSI before they use something like this. And then what about people from a, a 
postpartum, now that's a lot of the population that you work with in the clinic. And when you think of this statistic of, at least what I've seen in the in the research is 30% of vaginal childbirths may have tear or complete avulsion, I guess, but some of them will start to not the complete, but the partial ones may subside, may ease and and sort of heal on their own over time. But is this a population that, you know, some people will say they can't feel their Kegels or no matter how much pelvic floor exercise and physio they do, they just can't get past a certain level. They can't, they don't seem to improve their strength. Is a modality like this, or even the the internal probes that we were talking about earlier, is this something that could come in and factor into some potential improvements or support for that population? That's certainly how I think of it, Kim, because really those are the people that your kind of basic out-of-the-gate first-line strategies just don't seem to work well, right? So I often, and again, if we really think of kind of back to Linda McLean's work, you know, that was just published a couple of years ago, the factors that correlated most strongly with really severe stress incontinence was actually the position of the bladder neck and kind of the size of the sort of hiatus, like, you know, and if we're thinking of, okay, well, what are other ways and might we sort of get this connection, this Wi-Fi signal going, given that it's missing, you know, the levator because it's torn, or what other ways might we compensate from the levator being torn on this side was some other way. Like in my mind, with everything we know about electrotherapy, not just from the pelvic floor, but if we factor in the application of rehab across the board, to me, it's still the most substantiated kind of next thing you're going to try to get the system going. And, you know, I would say that, you know, we we see that that has been effective, not only with the more traditional version with the probe, but also with HIFEM. But because HIFEM seems to be a little bit more high intensity, more focused, it, it does seem to be a little bit more effective, certainly in lesser time. And would it be, would it be more beneficial? Like I'm so specific to this population again. Is there any, and there may not be evidence or research on this yet, but is there any indication of how soon after injury we would want to intervene with HIFEM? for there to be maximal effectiveness? Do we have any data on that yet? We don't have good data on that. The majority of the studies really are not within kind of that first postpartum year. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, you know, my my bias, my sort of educated bias, really t- before involving kind of a tool like this, I almost want to almost try to facilitate the system being more in a stable state. Right. Because there is some data, you know, it's weak data. It's not strong data, but to show that even that effective breastfeeding for some women seem to kind of keep them in this hormonally altered state that kind of can sort of correlate with sort of genourinary symptoms in some cases. Right. So what I'm always advising is look, let's work on all of the things right? This whole postpartum year. Or mm-hmm. look, if this individual like isn't breastfeeding at six months and we kind of feel like they're, they're sleeping through the night at this point, we feel like their physiology is relatively stable and they're still struggling and they like are desperate for some type of a solution. I'll be saying, you know what? Now I would say your system is reasonably stable. Let's see if we add this in. What might it do for you? Got it. And then just final question, I know that this will be dependent on different clinics, but what is the average cost per session or average cost per sort of bundle of sessions? Yeah, so certainly here in Ontario, so I am in in Ontario, 
it's approximately $300 a session. So, I mean, it's not cheaper, like the package being $1,800. So, I mean, it isn't cheap. And I think that's another reason maybe why some of my colleagues might get their backup because they feel like this predatory marketing of this very expensive kind of tool. But at the end of the day, like I'm just very transparent with people about the cost. I'm very transparent with people about the cost of, you know, incontinence products over a year. I'm very transparent. And at the end of the day, people have to decide the own value for their money. And what I will say is, you know, the people who, you know, in my care have worked on the first line strategies, they haven't helped. I've said, okay, like maybe try this tool. These are the clinics I would suggest because it's available at other places and I wouldn't suggest those places. I have never had a client come back and be like, oh, I'm kind of annoyed. That was sort of expensive. And that Every single time I have had the client email me and say, thank you. That was kind of exactly, I think, the next step I needed. And, you know, thank you. So, yeah, I think the key is really to, if you're going to be advising someone with something like this, like make sure they understand it. They're going to a really good place. Yes, it is expensive, but, you know, if you've hit a certain point, you know, so far in my experience, my clients have said it's been worth it. So, yeah. 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 Okay. That's awesome. That's a perfect place to to end off. Where can people find you to learn more about your work and potentially come and have therapies with you at The Womb? Perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. So you can find me at The Womb, www.thewomb.ca or on Instagram at The World of My Baby. You can also find me on Instagram, just not a personal page. It's at Sinead. And in my bio, I have links to all of my research papers and courses I teach, et cetera. Amazing. And we'll have all those links in the show notes for people as well for easy access. So Sinead, Dr. DeFour, thank you so much for your time and for your knowledge and expertise. This was super interesting. And I know that it'll benefit everybody who is listening as well. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much, Kim. Bye, everybody. Hey, I'm just jumping in to gently nudge you to put your pelvic health at the top of your to-do list today. I'm not talking about hundreds of Kegels. I'm talking about a whole body approach that addresses root causes and helps you get rid of your leaky bladder, your prolapse symptoms, your chronic low back pain, and your lackluster sex. My 28-day Buff Muff Challenge has helped over 6,000 women stop suffering and get back to living. It's an app-based pelvic floor fitness program that gives you a 10-minute whole body workout each day for 28 days. That's it. 10 minutes is all it takes. You will build your bones, your heart, and your pelvic floor in a way that is unique and effective. Participants are always saying that they have never heard of an approach like this, and they have only ever been told to do Kegels or to never do Kegels, but instead do reverse Kegels. Kegels are effective and do work when done correctly and consistently, but most women don't know how to do them correctly, so even if they are consistent, they don't get the results they want, so they give up. I believe the pelvic floor needs to be trained dynamically with whole body movement, not with static Kegels done over and over. Come join me in my Buff Muff app and take the 28-day challenge. What do you have to lose except the pads, the symptoms, and the limitations? It's time to ditch the incontinence pads, eliminate bothersome symptoms, and get back to living. I have a link in the show notes below so you can sign up now and start buffing your muff right away. 
That's it for another episode of Between Two Lips. Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your day with me. If you are enjoying the show, I recommend subscribing so you don't miss an episode, and I would also be grateful for a positive review. This will help get the information I share into the hands of more people who may not even know that help exists. Finally, I encourage you to take what you learn here and put it into action so that you can ensure that what you hear me and my guests share is not just lip service.